Hi, and welcome back to the Make and Tame podcast, the podcast breaking the stigma of food allergies. So this week, I'm joined by Meryl from Red Sneakers for Oatly, and she tragically lost her little boy Oatly due to food allergies. And we sat down and kind of spoke about what Oatly was like growing up. He was a very sporty kid, like was so driven to kind of succeed and very ambitious. And then we did kind of talk in great detail about the tragedy, what did happen to Oatly and the work what Merrill has since been doing to kind of raise awareness about the severities of food allergies through the foundation Red Sneakers for Oatly. Thank you so much for everyone who takes time out of their day to listen to the podcast. Here's a snippet of what to expect. What, Oakley, what happened to Oakley was actually, um, it happens more often than most people think. They just don't know what it is. Most people think that a allergic reaction happens within the first 15 minutes of the ingestion of the food. In Oakley's situation, he did not have a first reaction for almost an hour and a half. Thank you so much for coming on the Making Time podcast today. Oh, it's really, really nice to meet you. We've been following you. We went on and, you know, checked you out and everything too. And uh, yeah. it's, just, it's just so funny how we all can stay connected virtually. And, and yeah. uh, it's amazing because before on, I always do the podcast in person. It was never like over Zoom at all. So yeah, it's amazing now, obviously technology and everything it's given me this opportunity to speak with people from around the world and like speak to different like the u.s allergy charities like yourselves because i think before it's always been like the kind of uk charities so yeah it's amazing to kind of learn more about kind of red sneakers broadly my team here's my team oh, yeah. I... hi i'm ashley, hey, okay, ashley yeah, nice and this is monique hi hey nice to meet you okay and <laughs> um, we have other members as well but they're virtual because um we've a girl named annie and she's virtual because she's got autoimmune and so uh she she's my big media person so. would you like to do a bit of introduction sort of red sneakers for anyone who might have not heard it in the uk so um red sneakers for oakley actually um was born five years ago next week which is a good and a bad thing um i started red sneakers for oakley for my son oakley who passed away very suddenly from a nut allergy um over thanksgiving which is a holiday we have here in america um, where people bring different foods into the home to celebrate, you know, a great feast that we have. There are cakes and other items that come. And my son, unfortunately, ate a piece of cake that was a walnut cinnamon coffee cake. And um, he did not know there was walnut extract in it. He did not have a reaction right away, but he passed away about an hour and a half later from his first symptom, which was um, nausea. And it happened very quickly. Right after it happened, we wanted to start an organization because Oakley loved to wear his red sneakers. He felt empowered by them. He felt there was nothing he could do without them on his feet, from playing what we call American football to the European football, which is soccer for us. He was starter. He was striker. He loved the sports and he always wore them. So I thought, well, let's use that simple symbol of a red sneaker to empower people who have food allergies. So they felt empowered and they knew how to control and they were no longer um, scared. So that's kind of like the whole thought process behind it. Yeah. And I was going to say, obviously, if we go back, obviously straight to the beginning of like Oatly growing up, he was very much like from what I read, like really into his sports. Is that correct? Yes. He, um, he won MVP, which is most valuable Amazing. player in soccer and, um, he wanted to be an American quarterback and he dressed up like Eli Manning, who is a two time American Super Bowl 
um, quarterback. In fact, Eli Manning is just did a video for us Amazing. here in America. Yeah, for our event next week, uh, which is November the 23rd. So um, Eli will be speaking too. Uh, yes. And I think what, from what I've like read and heard, like with Oatley, is that he was very, um, he was so driven at such a young age, and I'm, I'm sure to make a difference. But obviously, the oh, he lo- he protected people. He he um, there was this one boy that was getting bullied, and it, the boy was not part of Oakley's friend group, and the it was Oakley's friends that were bullying the boy, and Oakley stepped in and took the punch to the face to protect this boy that wasn't even a part of his friend group. Wow, that's what I mean, like, at such a young age to have that and to protect others. And like I said, it like, he was always going to make a difference. Obviously, th- this is how he's making a difference now with the foundation. So, yeah, I think it's incredible. Yeah, no, Oakley was definitely destined for something because um, at a very early, early age, he was f- food bullied and... He just never told me and all the other kids wanted to gang up on the one boy that threw peanuts at him and they were going to beat the crap out of him. And Oakley stopped it. He was like, no, 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 no. Trust me. You don't want my mother to get mad. (laughs) Get get on your wrong side. (laughs) He was protecting me from getting mad at the boy. Oh, really? (laughs) So you from getting involved, like. Yes, yes, yes. He always played very neutral, very like, he was very political. Uh, I heard he was very good at maths as well. So Oakley, um, in America, we do like these um, achievement tests and Oaks um, score 99.9% in the country in mathematics and was being followed by what we call the Duke tip, which is Duke University. And um, I took him over to Princeton University where my father went and uh, they liked him too. They Amazing. said, what's that boy's name? And um, so that's Oakley Debs. And they said, well, we want to follow him. And I'm like, Princeton University thinks it's worth it. Why not? So That's incredible. And I was going to say as well, like, obviously Oakley growing up, I heard he struggled obviously with asthma as well. Was that something which held him back at any point? Obviously, obviously being very much into his sports. Uh, yeah, the asthma, um, the asthma was a problem. He had been hospitalized about three times and the worst one was when he was six, he'd run a mini marathon and right before the mini marathon, I had to nebulize him and give him a steroid to keep his lungs open. Um, and half the time he was still vomit from it, but he would win the marathon. He won his age group every single year. And yeah, but the last one put him in the hospital for six days in ICU. Um, his red blood cells were not bringing oxygen to his internal organs. And it, that was a close one. And then when he was 11, that's when he ate the cake. And that's when it all happened. It was just like the perfect storm with asthma and food allergies together. It's, it's a very scary situation. What age did he get diagnosed with food allergies? Because I think the one thing which kind of really stood out to me was in terms of the education, asthma was always seen as like the the priority, you could say, and food allergies always kind of took that kind of second stage, really. No one kind of really understood the kind of the severities of it. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so o- when Oakley was about four, they noticed that he was having problems breathing in his preschool. And... Um, They brought it to my attention, and that's when I started the whole looking for the proper allergist 
to um, diagnose what was going on and to treat Oakley. And I was turned away by a couple of the top allergists in our area because they were not taking any new patients. And then I had one allergist after our third trip to um, ICU. He didn't even come and meet me for the doctor's appointment. He sent his um, like uh, nurse assistant and they never, ever went over and gave me, I mean, we talked about the, the asthma tremendously and I had yeah. every type of alert allergy medicine you could possibly imagine. Um, and we carried it in a container everywhere we went because half the time I was like, I was like a witch brewing up a type of a different allergic cocktail that would work for him at the time, because sometimes I would nebulize him one night and nebulize him nine times and it still did not help his asthma. And then I had to change up the formula a little bit with some other steroids that I had and that would work. So it was like, he became almost immune to the regimen that I had been prescribed and I had to change it around a little bit. So I felt like I was the pharmacist or a chemist. Trying to find out. Yeah. And I think, I think you're saying like you went to the third allergist as well. And like, I think the thing what really stood out to me was, and this is the same with my experience as well, that you kind of get diagnosis allergy, then they kind of leave you to it. They don't really show you like how to use the art injector or I didn't really have any kind of like checkups, like to make sure how I was doing. And and imagine that kind of the same experience with you really. Well, I mean, they never really followed up. And I think with where the downfall really lay, lies is that they didn't create an emergency plan with me, nor did they prescribe me an EpiPen since 2012. And the main problem there, the disconnect was my doctor handed me a prescription for an epinephrine auto injector. And he said, good luck. You might need to use this one day. That was it. That was it. Yeah. It. No more. No, no. Let me show you how to work it. That comes with a trainer. Why don't you pick up the prescription and come back into the office and we will review the epinephrine auto injector. And I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even told where to inject it. I had no idea. It's crazy to think like, you know what I mean? Like food allergies are that's like so serious yet like that there's a lack of training. And I think that's for both for the US and the UK as well. And I feel like it's definitely something which obviously there needs to be more education around. Obviously it's trying to make families aware, like you said, so there is emergency plan. If the worst case comes to the worst, then they kind of know what to do. Yeah. In fact, um, if you don't mind, Daniel, I would like to tell you a quick story that just happened to my daughter. Speaking yeah, of sure. lack of education, my daughter goes to a boarding school in um, in America, and I don't know if I should tell you the name of the school because this is a really big problem, and it just happened. Um, my daughter takes her friend, who my daughter is Oakley's twin, so takes her friend to the health center. Her friend is having an allergic reaction, and the nurse says, do you really think this needs an epinephrine auto injector? And my daughter is like, yes, yes, you need to do this right now. Yes, the friend tells my daughter that her throat's starting to close up. And now my daughter's fully panicked. So she screams at the nurse, you've got to do this. You've got to give this, my friend, her EpiPen or auto injector. And the nurse takes the pen out, doesn't know how to work it, takes oh the top God. off, injects the wrong end into her hand 
Now the nurse, now the, the poor child who needs this doesn't have it because the nurse has it in her hand. You hear about these stories, but you just don't think, like you read it, and you think no way someone's, because it's so clear on the packaging as well. Like, I've heard about it, it happened in a primary school where so, the teacher injected the needle into the thumb. And it's just like, how how is there no training put in place for when these situations do happen? Yeah, so my, I mean, poor Olivia, who's only 16 years old, is told by the nurse to inject her friend. And the nurse is paid and is supposed to be, have a license to do this in the school. And, and then we had, then my poor daughter had to go call an ambulance and the nurse was freaking out. The girl didn't get her epinephrine and it, it was basically, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was basically a shit show. Yeah. You know, and there are, there's, there's, um, there's, reper- there's repercussions because of this. And the nurse long, no longer has a job. The family's going to sue the school. I mean, there's all these different things that are going to happen because of this one incident. And that's where it goes back to where we were discussing we need education. And that's why Red Sneakers does what we do. That's why we do awareness, because so many people do not have the education. And that's one of our mission statements, too. So I kind of did a full circle. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, in regards to kind of going back to kind of Oatly and kind of the tragedy what did kind of unfold at the Thanksgiving are are we okay to kind of talk about that and kind of give the kind of listeners a kind of good understanding of what happened because I think the one thing what really kind of stood out to me with the story is that the reaction didn't happen straight away can we kind of talk about obviously the kind of from the first bite until obviously going into anaphylactic shock yeah absolutely um that's actually it what Oakley, happened to Oakley was actually, um, it happens more often than most people think. They just don't know what it is. Most people think that a allergic reaction happens within the first 15 minutes of the ingestion of the food. In Oakley's situation, he did not have a first reaction for almost an hour and a half. Oakley went and had a small, he, first he had a small blister on his lip. No big deal. He wasn't panicked. He had no problems. In fact, he went and played Legos with his cousins. And right before bedtime, he said, oh, mom, I forgot to take my shower. Will you wait with me? And I was like, of course. You know, and I got ready for bed and I got his pajamas and he took his shower. And then he got dressed and I tucked him into bed with his cousin and um, said goodnight. And I went up to the third floor and I went to bed and I was almost asleep. And Oakley came up a couple of minutes later, maybe about 15, 20 minutes later. And he said, mommy, I have a tummy ache. I was like, okay, well just lie in bed with me. And I rubbed his back and I basically was like, it's okay. You'll be all right. Then he sat up and he was going to get sick to his stomach. We went back down the stairs. There was only one bathroom on the second floor and third floor. And we went to the bathroom and he proceeded to get sick. I had given him Benadryl earlier that evening and there were no reactions until this first vomit. And that was a good hour in between when I gave him the Benadryl to the first time he got sick. And then I gave him one more Benadryl pill right after he got sick. And I decided to stay with him downstairs. And I thought that he was going to get super sleepy because that's what Benadryl does. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, most parents, when your child 
throws up, it's out of their system. So you're like, okay, it's out. You're going to feel so much better. And that's exactly what I thought after 11 years with two twins, having dealt with nausea with, with children. And we went to bed and we were in bed and I was kind of just rubbing his back. And all of a sudden, I mean, maybe another seven or eight minutes go by. He sits straight up and he grabs his throat and he runs to the bathroom. He gets sick again. But this time it's totally different. When he vomits this time, it's clear fluid. It looks like water, like someone turned on the faucet coming out of him. And I thought that was so odd. I've never seen that before. And then he looked at me and his eyelids were swelling, swelling, swelling. And he said, something's wrong with my throat. My throat, something's wrong. So... I ran down the stairs of the kitchen to where I kept the, uh, the um, nebulizer. I always keep everything in the same place. So I know where it is. I went down there, got his nebulizer. I got the pro air. I got all the steroids. I put together my little um, nebulizer cocktail that I know always works. And I put it on his face and we started that process. And I went to go downstairs again because I forgot the prednisone. And I was just going to give him a full syringe of prednisone to help open up the airwaves in his lungs when I got upstairs, my mother-in-law was sitting there with him and he takes the mask and he rips it off of his face. And he says, call 911, which in America is our ambulance. And I yeah. believe in the UK, it's what, 411? It's 999 in the UK. So yeah, it's like the equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. I go running downstairs. Mind you, I'm in Maine, which is kind of in the backwoods in a town that's usually for summertime it's called Kenny Bunkport it's very pretty it's where the where president bush's family all is and i dialed 911 but here's a tip for all the parents know the address of the house you're in because i was like oh my god what is the fuck is the address here and the panic as well i yeah i can imagine like yeah the panic was taking over and i was starting to shake and then i remembered a Christmas card that I'd written and the address came to my mind, told the operator at 911 what the address was. And I told her that my son was having an allergic reaction to nuts. And she said, really, what is he, what's the problem? She's like, they didn't believe me. They thought I was being tiger mom, dragon mom, whatever it's called. Yeah. Finally, I said, send the ambulance. I grab my white coat and I run down the long driveway to the main road and I'm waving my white parka, my winter coat. The ambulance drives by me and almost runs me over. Now I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I mean, screaming bloody murder in the middle of the woods and the police car comes and I tell the police where to go. He goes to the wrong house. So now I'm running down the driveway. I'm banging on the police car to show him the, which house. He goes into the house. He goes to the wrong staircase. He goes to the garage. I pull him out of there. I take him up the stairs. This policeman says to me, when he gets to my daughter, where my mother and gets to my son, where my mother-in-law is doing CPR, my son is completely unconscious. The policeman says, I forgot my mask. I can't put my mouth to your son's mouth. I'm not allowed to do CPR like that. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I ran back down and then I found the ambulance. They came up. It's now 20 minutes. 
since we called the ambulance yeah. and, and imagine at that stage obviously with and a lot of people don't understand with anaphylaxis it reduces oxygen to the brain and i, I can't even imagine what oh yeah internally yeah. suffocated yeah he suffocated internally and then his brain was gone he was brain dead they were able to resuscitate his heart and you know get vital signs because they have him on life support. Um, we went to one hospital where we, and then we were transferred to the Barbara Bush ICU in Portland, Maine. And um, there, the doctors were not completely honest with me either. Um, you know, when you have a traumatic brain injury, you're supposed to reduce the temperature of the body to help the brain. Um, I don't remember at what point they said to me, he's a bit cold. We're going to warm him up. So they started the process of shutting him down without proper, properly not telling me and my husband yeah. or family what they were doing. And at this point, I had contacted just about everybody I knew that had any money in any poll. Um, I contacted the people that were the head of funding at Boston, in Boston, at Boston Children's Hospital. I contacted Mass General. I contacted the head of neurology at NYU in New York. Um, I went called down to Palm Beach where I'm from to all my the wealthiest friends I have and there I have people who can make things happen yeah. and they they sent helicopters there were there was a medvac that was sent for us and the hospital we were in would not release him they said that he wasn't stable enough to go to the children's hospital in Boston which is where other friends of mine children have ended up yeah so I don't know what's a normal procedure in this situation. I just know that this is not what any other family should have to go through and yeah. that people to understand the anaphylaxis is a killer. And I think what, what as well, I think like um, with, it was the first time you've kind of heard the words anaphylaxis. Um, was, well, the doctor told me what it was, but he didn't really describe it. And first of all, yeah. try to remember a word that you can't spell. Yeah, <laughs> so true. Like, honestly, it took me here. Yeah. But I can imagine as well, like, obviously, I can't imagine, obviously, kind of going through this experience. And, and like you said, it, there's so many stages which could have been better, obviously, if the ambulance got there straight away. And like you said, over 20 minutes. And I know you've spoken very openly about if if you're suffocating it, you've got, is it five to seven minutes? And then after any, any time after that, then that could obviously then result in brain damage. Damage anywhere between five and seven minutes of no oxygen. You have brain damage. So e even, uh, I mean, and then your oxygen levels, if they go below, as we all know from having, you know, the COVID pandemic, that if your oxygen level goes below about 88, you, you're entering into um, a really bad situation. Yeah. No place 74 and nobody comes back from that i think that's one thing i've always found as well like people sometimes just don't take food allergies seriously and they don't understand like when you do go into anaphylactic shock it does reduce oxygen to the brain and i've always kind of in the uk spoke about what happened to amy may shed and i don't know if you've heard about amy where she got suffocated well she went to anaphylactic shock and went into cardiac arrest and then she was Brain, she survived, but she was brain damaged. A wheelchair, yeah. I know who she is. 
yeah even if you do survive it like this could be the consequence and i think people just don't quite understand that sometimes i was going to get on to obviously the amazing work you've been doing with red sneakers for oakley um can we talk about obviously how the kind of the name come about the question is how do we come up with the name with red sneakers for oakley yeah about so much <laughs> simple way to put it yeah so um well my son's name is oakley and he's a twin his sister's olivia and Oakley dragged me all over Santa Monica in July, that's in California, looking for the perfect pair of red sneakers to wear to his summer camp. And we finally found the pair of red Nikes that he wanted to wear in the mini marathon because he had that mini marathon coming up. And then around Thanksgiving, when we were traveling, I had to buy him some new sneakers and I bought him a pair of red suede Pumas and a pair of black suede Pumas. The day he died, he wore the black suede ones because he didn't want the red ones to get dirty because he was saving the red ones for Thanksgiving because they were like his prized red suede Pumas. And one of his friends told him, this boy who's the last boy that saw him alive, his his name is Gray. And Gray said to Oakley, dude, those are hot. Like, save those. Those are the best ones. And yeah, Oakley listened. And Oakley's like, yeah, you know, those are good. Those are my favorite shoes. Um, I don't think Oakley ever got to wear them. Maybe he put them once, like when we were traveling. But they were his, you know, special shoes that he wanted to wear for Thanksgiving. And so I I wanted to name it after his favorite pair of shoes. Because I thought... Red sneakers are cool. I mean, who doesn't like to wear a good pair of red sneakers? I know, absolutely. And I think like, he seemed like such a cool kid as well from obviously reading about him being so into like his sports and obviously his red trainers. I think, yeah, I think that's amazing. And I think it's incredible, obviously, the work you've been doing in, in regards to like, education. So obviously you work, with, you work with different schools as well, obviously trying to get the message out. We do, we do. Right now we have... Um, Monique, Monique, who's here in my office, is in charge of getting the DAYS program out into the school system. And we have about 60 schools that are looking to participate. And I don't know how many schools have already, have already participated, what, like 100? That includes universities. Um, in America, we have universities, colleges, you know, high schools, elementary schools, um, all different levels. So when I say hundred, it's all different levels of schools. Um, on top of that, we have like law offices and corporations who, yeah, who have participated. Um, people in Australia have written in about how they were traveling and hiking in their red sneakers. We have one girl that traveled around the world and wore her red sneakers to every different spot that she went and she took pictures of it. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's great that the whole community are obviously getting by in Red Sneakers Fultley. I was aware of Red Sneakers Fultley, I think it was back in 2015. Um, I think you shared a bit of content and it is, is, it's amazing obviously to finally have the opportunity to kind of speak with yourself and, and kind of talk about Red Sneakers Fultley. I was going to say, what's your plans for obviously 2022? Do you have any more kind of goals, obviously, aside skills as well? Is there anything you kind of want to kind of achieve and raise awareness? I went to University of Miami and I'm a, I was a film major. So I have um, gone back and have revitalized my film uh, 
abilities, I guess, or filming abilities. So for 2022, we, we are looking to hopefully do another film, short film. And we have participated in films that won um, a PSA's public service announcements. We participated in one that won an Emmy. And wow, that's incredible. I never knew that. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's called Spell It Out. On is it is it like a short documentary then the video it's just very basic information for like the elementary school years for kids to understand what are the you know we have eight or nine allergens the uk have 14 yeah um so we just kind of help kids understand like what they are and then the film that we just did called hey it's may is international red sneakers day so we applied for a day, took us three years to get the day, which is May 20th. And May 20th is now International Red Sneakers Day, where we try to get people all over the world to put on a pair of red sneakers and, you know, give us a hashtag, you know, live like Oaks or any sort of thing that you can see on our website. Um, this year, we had over 11 million people around the world participate in um, May 20th, which is International Red Sneakers Day. So 11 million people. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, and it's amazing that they've made it an actual day now as well. So everyone around the world can kind of get involved and kind of take part. Yes. Yeah, so for 2022, uh, the national calendar has said, declared that International and National Red Sneakers Day will be May 20th. And that is for the food allergy community. So bring awareness about food allergies. That's amazing. I was going to ask as well, with Oatly's um, sister, Olivia, has she got food allergies as well? No, um, Olivia is like a powerhouse. Um, she is no allergies whatsoever. She's become as athletic as he is. You know, she's playing varsity soccer, which or football for you all. Um, she looks like, a runway model when I'm not quite sure how that happened either. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, she's doing great. So no, she's, she doesn't have any allergies and she's starting to really speak up for everybody who does too, especially That's after amazing, the incident yeah. at the school. Yeah. It's amazing. Obviously she spoke up for a friend, you know, you kind of spoke about earlier on and that, that she was vocal about it. And like, like I said, if she wasn't there for a friend, then, I mean, it could have been a lot worse than what it was like. Yeah. And, and she really, really, really like went after the nurse but to the point, the school, I, the school uh, head of the community for the school was called in and the nurse was fired. So yeah. I was got I really wanted to discuss as well. I think before the podcast, we kind of spoke about obviously the UK community as well, obviously really supporting Red Sneakers for Oatly. It'd be kind of great to kind of talk about that because I feel like the UK community is very kind of tight-knit and kind of everyone knows everyone. So it's great to see that they're kind of supporting Red, Red Sneakers for Oatly as well. Oh my gosh. I had the most amazing messages from people in the UK. Um, one, one family has a little boy that was flossing in his red sneakers and he was the cutest thing ever. I just wanted to be like, oh, that kid was awesome. Um, and then, you know, we have stories of sadness also that have come to us from the UK, like Sadie. Um, I think her last name was Bristol. Um, we have pictures of Sadie actually playing tennis at... Um, is it the Wimbledon at the grand old, what's it, grand old spacing yeah. the name? 
I'm so bad when it comes to tennis. Yeah, I think I found out about Sadie through, I think it was Talina, because Talina played, um, she has loads of allergies and she plays tennis as well. And I think that's how I found out about kind of like Sadie and kind of the foundation behind that. Yeah, well, I went up to Venus Williams and um, at a party and they, some of the people that she hangs out with have actually gone to our event. And, um, you know, I've told Venus about, you know, food allergies and I handed her a red sneaker bracelet. Um, I found out that her sister Serena has food allergy. Yeah. yeah. So um, living in South Florida where we live, like we're in between Serena and Venus and Coco Groff, who is just south of us. So it'd be kind of really neat if we could get some of the tennis community involved as well. Well, I know they've just recently brought out a new film um, talking about kind of the upbringing um, of Venus and Serena. So it'd be amazing if uh, obviously the film's coming out now, but it'd be amazing if they did even touch upon allergies, even if it was for a brief second. But I know it's got it features Will Smith as well. So, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know if it's too late to the party now, but it would be amazing if they did kind of just feature about allergies for the brief second. Though. I mean, all they have to do is mention one word and then everybody will be like, what? What? Yeah. Food allergies? Like, we need to know more. Yeah, and they've done that, obviously, kind of gone on to incredible things. Great yeah. influence, you know, they would be able to make a difference too. I, I always struggle. I always find it really hard to find people in the spotlight actually kind of talking about their allergies. Do you find in America... Is, is there celebrities in America which openly kind of speak about allergies? Or is there any kind of celebrities or ambassadors you've worked with? Um, there's one person I know of right now off, top, off the top of my head, and that's Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, one of her children has food allergies really, really badly. And there was a situation with them where one of their children actually um, was going into anaphylactic shock or having allergic reaction. I'm not sure the reaction was heading towards anaphylaxis, but the nanny certainly thought so. And the nanny basically raced the child to, I believe it was an urgent care. Um, the story could be con slightly convoluted because it's been told so many different ways, but the nanny actually took action and um, saved the child. So Sarah Jessica Parker actually is a, I think on YouTube and she talks about anaphylaxis. Um, she yeah. touches upon it. I mean, she doesn't have like a, a lot to say, but she does talk about it briefly. No, great. And honestly, I just want to say, I think it's amazing. Obviously the work you've been doing is say how many years has it been now since it's been quite well, next Tuesday will be next Tuesday, November the 23rd is the day five years ago that the day he ate, the cake with the walnut extract in it and the walnuts. So it'll be five years, November 23rd. Yeah. But on, honestly, I, I just think it's amazing, obviously, the work you've been doing, obviously, in terms of like educating and raising awareness. But I think also in the website, you kind of talk about other kind of families as well, which have obviously tragically lost, obviously, the, the kids' lives. And it's, it's so sad, obviously, these stories. And I, I didn't realize when you see the, the the pictures, it kind of really took me back because obviously you don't, you kind of, you, you, you kind of see the stories, but obviously then to kind of read all the stories in America, because I only, obviously only aware about obviously Red Sneakers for Oatly. I wasn't aware about there's so many other kind of foundations and hopefully they can, you can all get together and hopefully raise awareness. So yeah, thank you. Um, quick question for you. How did you find out about Red Sneakers for Oakley? I think it was through Twitter. A few years ago I think you shared so basically what happened was I created a magazine at university called Make and Tain 
and it was like taking the EpiPen out of the medical context. Um, and basically I shared it on Twitter and you guys reshared it or retweeted it. And then since then, I know you've kind of shared my magazine I did at university on Instagram as well. So that's how I, that's how I kind of come aware about also the work you've been doing. Like. Yeah. And that's why we, as you said, we do try and work with other organizations that um, are here in America. There's like the, um, the Benford family has a device, a medical device that they've been working on. There's the Rose Foundation. There's the one in um, California. What's it? Sunshine. Sunshine. I can't remember the name. But we, we and oh, and then um, uh, Giovanni's mom also, um, we work with her. She has everybody that we seem to work with well has had the tragedy also in their family of losing a child or a loved one. Um, the larger organizations, and this is where I'm going to like, probably like shoot myself in a foot. Um, are not so friendly and um, they're more of a competition and I don't understand why none yeah. of us understand why they're not the ones that have ever lost a family member they're a little bit more clinical and they have a lot more money funding is what I should say than we do and you know Red Singers for Oakley is a, a charity at this point because to get that information out and especially to even be able to reach to like reach out to you Daniel with information, costs, money, and resources, and to be go as far as even as Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa, Romania, Serbia, all those places we have touched, and it takes funding, yeah, and yeah. it takes education, and we work so hard on gathering that information and double-checking our resources, and then we create the graphics as well and i can imagine like it is so i've spoke to a few people which have set up charities now and like fundraising is like like the main thing you've constantly got to be doing and it's like when am i going to raise this much by this time and i think it is a constant pressure i don't think it's as easy as just running a charity and raising awareness it's everything what goes on in the background as well yeah and what really gets me is when someone says to me well, where does the money go and i'm like do you, do you know that we have four or five social media platforms and that we have an outreach that to people all over the world? And now we've created actually a responsibility where we need to keep the information going so that people are relying on our information yeah, um, to help them. And um, I, 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 we have to keep it up now. I mean, after five years of this is a lot of work and we keep growing and that's great. And now we have people that have really are starting to help our organization to grow and, and understand the, the amount of work that goes into this. It, it, it's, and it's constant amount of work. It doesn't ever end. Yeah. It's nonstop. I, I always say that with even just like algae bloggers as well. Like everybody just thinks, Oh yeah, just like do you on time, but it's like a full-time job really. Like you're trying to do work and then do content and do podcasts. So yeah, but I think obviously it's amazing obviously to kind of see it. And, and I think from year to year, it's getting bigger and bigger and you reach more people, which is incredible. Yeah. It's getting, it's getting bigger and bigger in two ways for us, at least, um, our followers are getting bigger and bigger, which is amazing. We 11 million in one day wow. um, was pretty incredible international red sneakers day, but also the allergy community is getting bigger and bigger. 
And that's something that's kind of frightening because we don't have any sort of medical research um, right now to find out why it's happening. We were, we used to work with another organization called EAT and that um, stands for End Allergies Together. And during the pandemic, they shut down because their, their money that they were raising was going into research to find out the main question, which is like, why this is happening? Why are people getting food allergies? And without that funding, there was no way to make the why understandable. So they kind of just closed. And it's really sad for the food allergy community because now we don't have anybody finding out why this is happening. And some other colleagues from other organizations went to um, Europe to the world uh, food or world diseases or I can't remember. It's the meeting that they do like in Switzerland or in Germany. And they talk about like the, all sorts of infectious diseases around yeah. the world. And they kind of have like a pie shaped about where certain percentages of money is going. And when they got to the food allergy percentage, it was less than 1%. It's just crazy to think like there's 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 not more funding going into it. Food allergies are on the rise. I think in America, it's one in 14 children have a food allergy. I think we're higher than that. Oh, wow. That's what I mean. It just, I feel like the statistic just keeps changing. And even in the UK as well, like people going to anaphylactic has tripled over the last 20 years. So it just goes to show there needs to be more kind of education, but obviously finding what the cause is and how we can kind of stop that like. You know, I, one allergist said to me that and this is somebody that comes from a bigger clinic where they've been doing their own research. And she said it wasn't until 2002 that she realized that the food allergy community had doubled during that time. And she's an asthma and food allergist combined. And they had started keeping track of all the patients who were testing positive for food allergies. And she said by 2005, the numbers were crazy. And that's when my children were born were 2005. And then after that, it just kept doubling and doubling and doubling. It is even when I started this blog, there wasn't really an audience for it. Like back in 2015, when I did this magazine, I remember looking for articles for a teenager who has food allergies. And I found one article on Google, honestly, one or two, like there wasn't any content out there. And then you go on it, you go on Instagram now. And I just feel like more and more people now are starting these allergy box, but also because allergies is on the rise now, more people are kind of talking about it. But yeah, it's it's really scary to kind of. So at Red Sneakers, we started putting programs together for different age groups of people. Like, so we have like the preschool program, the elementary program. And then we started realizing as my daughter, Olivia, was getting older where Oakley should have been in life that there was very little programming for high schoolers or college kids because we saw an uprise of deaths in college kids. And then we started to realize what's missing here is that people don't understand the peanut or the nut protein stays in your saliva for four hours. And if you have any of that at dinner and you go to a party and all of a sudden you find somebody you want to kiss, you have to be super careful because you could kill that person with that peanut protein still in your saliva. That, that is so true. That nearly happened to me um, a few months back. I was having a meal with my girlfriend. She ordered a dish which didn't contain nuts. Um, halfway through the meal, she realized the dish did contain nuts. 
So then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, you can't kiss me. And then we was literally on Google then trying to find out how, how many hours it is until she can kiss me. Because I was like, I was like, no, no, last thing I want is allergic reaction. And then I went like a bit mad at the at the, the, the restaurant. I was like, well, you said it didn't contain nuts. Imagine if I bought, imagine if I got that dish. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it makes you think sometimes like, you know what I mean? Like it, it can catch you out. Just, and that's just careless. That's yeah. just careless of the restaurant. So it's just it's just scary, you know what I mean? And and I think now with obviously COVID, like they want you to say your allergy over an app. And I'm always like, no, no, I want to speak to someone. I don't want to order food over an app. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if the, I don't know if the chef is going to see I've got an allergy or maybe even check the online farm kind of thing. You know what? That's a really good point. That's something we can think about for 2022 is try and figure out how to put um, like a red sneaker logo on your app and you have to put that like when you do your order, you hit the logo. So it comes up really like clear. Yeah, big, yeah. And we have restaurants here that actually have the red sneaker next to different items, our logo. And it says at the very bottom may contain nuts. So some of the restaurants here are actually doing it. Yeah, that's amazing. Because I think it makes you feel, if you see that logo, then it might make you feel more confident as a teenager to kind of then mention their allergy. Because I think I did a recent survey, it was in March of this year, and over like 60% didn't feel confident to speak up about their allergy. So it's a massive statistic. I'm, I'm trying to constantly battle at the minute and trying to make people kind of like bring it up when they eat out or go takeaways, for example. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Um, I have a film in the works that I'm working on and I just have to get the right funding for it. And you keep saying the same thing over and over again. And that is um, uh, that, that you should speak up and tell your server that you have a food allergy. And a lot of people are shy about that. Like that it does, it's uncomfortable. So my idea is to create the wish campaign and wish stands for what I should have told you about my food allergy. And I've had more people who are in the restaurant business say, well, I wish the customer would talk, speak up. I wish the customer would tell me this. And I'm like, I wish, I wish, I wish. So I wrote a short script for um, a um, athlete here. And at the very end of my script, it says that um, just remember your wish could save a life. And that's something I want everyone to remember. What I should have told you about my food allergy is your wish. And that wish is to stay alive. And you need to speak up and remember the wish campaign. And that is kind of what is brewing, brewing in me to create. And I'm just waiting for, waiting for the right amount of money to do it. Yeah, that's incredible. And like I said, I think it's so important and it's something I've been trying to drill into people for years now. So that just people think they're making a fuss when they're not like, you, sh you know what I mean? Like your food allergy is seriously. And I think British people don't like making a fuss. <laughs> so I'm always just like, you've got to make a fuss about your allergies to like educate people about how serious it is. But in society, British people, like even if the food's dog shit, like, and the, and the waitress are, the witches will come over and they'll be like, oh, like, what do you think? And they'll be like, oh, it's lovely. So yeah, I've always been like, no, you need to make a fuss about your idea. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to speak up, you know, like, so, you yeah. know, it's like calling attention to yourself and you really don't want to.
No, absolutely. And I just want to just say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been obviously amazing to have this opportunity to kind of share the story b- behind Red Sneakers for Oatly and kind of obviously share the story what happened as well. I think like people sometimes just don't take kind of food allergies seriously. So obviously it's great to kind of share your story but also the amazing work you've been doing with red sneakers for oatly and it's amazing to see that obviously it's a national day now and i'm really excited to kind of see your campaigns going forward in 2022 2022 <laughs> i know 2022 it's sneaking up on us then you thank you so much for inviting us onto your podcast um and the youtube channel i think you're going to be joining the i guess the video but we want to say thank you so much for you know having Red Sneakers for Oakley there. And um, we hope to work with you soon again. And um, you know what? If you guys can go to our website, also redsneakers.org, we would be so thrilled. And there's lots of information there too, to help anybody out. And I was going to say for people to kind of um, follow you on Instagram, is it Red Sneakers for Oakley? If they want to find you kind of on social media? Yes, it is. Red Sneakers for Oakley. I always, I always get put on the spot when someone's like, what's your handle about? <laughs> always do, I'm always like double checking it. Like. <laughs> Just don't ask you what the Twitter account is. I want to like him and never remember. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again so much for coming on. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, Daniel, thank you so much. And it's really nice to meet you and stay safe.